This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth. Hi, this is Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveller. I'm Lale Arakoglu, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Meredith Carey. Hello, everyone. And today we're joined by regular traveller contributor, Jordi Lippi-McGraw, and traveller editor, Laura Redmond, travelogue and women who travel regular. Hi. At this point, I feel like Jordi's a regular, too. You've been That's on, true. like, so many episodes. Yeah, yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> Third, fourth, tenth? I forget. Uh, fourth, I think? At All least. Right. Yeah. Fourth. We're you've, running you've been in the family. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think veteran. three on this one and one on travel log. There okay. we go. It's, it's, okay. That can't make you. I mean, yeah, I mean no, you're like, double re- you're up regular. is a regular on our bus. Yes, finally. <laughs> like more than a lot of staffers. So. <laughs> <laughs> but this week we are talking about something that truly, very truly, Lala and I have no experience with. No authority on it whatsoever. <laughs> Absolutely none. Um, Brett, our sound engineer, actually has more experience with this than we do. Um, <laughs> but we're talking about traveling while pregnant because you both have two precious little kiddos. Jordy's son, Wilder, is five months old. Mm-hmm. And Haley, Laura's daughter, is 18 months. And we would love to just like harken back to that time <laughs> when you did not have a child yet. Uh, it and- feels like a decade ago. <laughs> <laughs> it feels so long ago. It's time going I was so cool slowly. a long time ago. <laughs> but we'd love to just talk to you guys to get a sense of what changed and what was different as basically like when you got pregnant. So I know that because you guys are such avid travelers, your like discovery pregnancy stories are both quite fun. <laughs> um, so Jordi, I know you've written about this before, but how did you find out that you were pregnant? Well, when actually, (laughs) yes, I found out I was pregnant uh, September of 2017. I was in the Netherlands with my husband and my sister and brother-in-law and five-year-old niece. And I had a hunch I was pregnant when we were in the Netherlands and we were going on a week-long road trip together. And I thought, okay, maybe something's up. Then we got to Belgium and I desperately tried to find a pregnancy test and I found one. The results were inconclusive. So I then had to go and find another pregnancy test. That wait, was wait. a pregnancy <laughs> test in Belgium. Yes. Is it much? I mean, did you have any experience with American ones? Was it in English? What? How How did you read it? It was not It was not in English, but I kind of knew like the basics it was of ba- like a double plus. line, single line, <laughs> like a plus minus. Okay. I kind of like... It, I guess it the- is an either or situation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, kind of, I got the gist Red of it. Alert. Yeah. But I got like the cheapest pregnancy pregnancy test possible and obviously it didn't it was kind of like a blurry line so then I went out and had to find the most expensive test but it's not in New York City so I was there's no like CVS on every corner to find a pregnancy (laughs) test so I'm 
don't want to tell my sister and brother-in-law yet that what we're kind of up to. So we had to like sneak out every chance we got to try to find a really expensive pregnancy test. We found one, but we couldn't take it until we got to Luxembourg the next day. And when we finally, I took the test in a castle in Luxembourg, and that's where <laughs> I found out that I was pregnant, was there. And it definitively said you were two weeks pregnant or something like right. that in, in English. So I knew at that point um, that, so, that was it. And then I continued on with the road trip after that. <laughs> so did the two of you keep it to yourselves for the rest of the trip? No. We told my sister immediately, and then she told her her husband immediately. We didn't tell my little niece because, I don't know, I just felt a little strange about telling my, my niece no, yet we until waited. it was like... We waited to. to yeah, tell until it was guys. something that was really concrete. I hadn't gone to a doctor yet. I wanted to wait for the, you know, the 12 weeks before I said anything. But yeah, then the rest of the trip, my sister was like, oh, well, you have to do this and this and this about all your pregnancy <laughs> But it's tips. like nice to have somebody, I guess, who is one related to you and so is not going to be super judgmental about it yes. but two like has been through it so that in those early stages I feel like I would want somebody to be like okay like help me <laughs> like, yeah. and happening? it was unexpected we didn't right. we weren't trying to have a baby so when I found out I was pregnant I was like oh okay this is happening now got it <laughs> so had you started off the trip eating all the gooey cheese and like drinking big Belgian beers and then you were like oh shit uh, yeah I, had, I, had, I was drinking wine and having cheese and um, yeah and then I stopped then doing so that much, and yeah. then not so much anymore yeah then I was like well I can have chocolate and <laughs> oh my all God. of those good things what you eat changes so dramatically like we could talk about that for an hour yeah <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what you want to eat and what you can't eat. Right. That's, Especially while abroad. Yes. Do you want to talk about food or do you no, want to talk about food? food. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to the food. That's going to be its own. We'll circle back. Yeah, Let's right. just go. Because I have a lot of questions for a about second. Food. All right. So Greg and I had been trying for a while. We actually had, I had a scare, like a pregnancy scare in Germany where we were on a road trip through Bavaria. We were like an hour outside of Munich and Let's just say things went south for me, and I was scared. So we were trying to Google a, um, a clinic in the area. Everything's in German. Uh, we think we find one, and we pull off in this like residential area, and um, we go to it. And they're you know at the front desk, they're just speaking German, and I'm trying to communicate what's going on with my body. And they just send me to a little room, and we sit there for two hours, and I'm freaking out. And then we finally go see a doctor. And if you've ever had like a really bad gyno appointment just that times five and people yelling at you in German and oh my god everything just sounds worse oh. in German thankfully I ended, I ended up being fine and we eventually got a doctor who spoke a little bit of English but like my international pregnancy experience lasted a very long time like I feel like I was pregnant abroad more than I was home but um when I finally found out that yay we were pregnant it was also in September can't do math anymore, but it was a couple of years ago now. <laughs> and um, I had a work trip to Ireland and Scotland planned, and I was eight weeks pregnant, which means that's early, right? Yeah. Like some people don't tell until 12 weeks. Greg and I started telling people right away. Our families knew, um, but it's not like my colleagues knew. It's not like you guys knew or my friends. Um, it wasn't Facebook official yet or anything, but I had to go on this work trip. And for those who don't know, a traveling work trip involves a lot of eating and drinking and trying new things, right? You are there to test new stuff out. 
and and you're testing and like like meeting so many people and like none of those meetings are like hi let's go sit in a coffee shop and drink water (laughs) lots of alcohol (laughs) you arrive at the place and they're like here is this like snifter of whiskey to sample immediately especially because you're in ireland and scotland like there's no i started with an oyster and champagne hour immediately (laughs) upon arriving which are two (laughs) no-nos and then from there we went to a five course meal with wine pairings Three out of the five courses were raw or unpasteurized or seafood or some like meat that was still bleeding. I don't know. (laughs) And I couldn't eat any of it. And the wine, I clearly couldn't drink any of it. And I I quietly told one of the people on the trip, I was like, I'm pregnant. Please, uh, can I have some bread? (laughs) Please stop. (laughs) And then I ended up sitting across from another reporter who was probably like early mid 20s. Right. And he just didn't have a clue. Hi, I, if you hear this, I'm talking <laughs> about you, but I appreciate your help in this whole charade. Um, I basically just started handing off my food to him, <laughs> being like, do you want my tartare? He'd be like, sure. You know? <laughs> he was so amped. He was like, you don't want your food? Great. And then I'd be like, how about my crab cocktail? And he's like, yes, I do. And then I was like, how about this beautiful Cabernet. <laughs> he's like, all right, I'm in. And You're like double pour. Yeah. Here we are. <laughs> he didn't really pick up on it until my fourth course. And he's like, are you not eating anything tonight? And I was like, this bread is fantastic. And the schnitzel was really good. Um, but eventually I told him. And then I just started telling everyone at the table, everyone around me, everyone I met in Ireland and Scotland. I'm like, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. I'm only eight weeks pregnant. But it was so liberating because it's a hard secret to keep as you might yeah. know, Jordan. <laughs> also, like, I feel like when people say eight weeks, you're like, oh, like, that doesn't, that's not like that much. This is two months. Like, that I cannot keep a secret, secret for like two days. days. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, right. <laughs> so, and it is, I mean, by the time you finally start telling people, it's already the end of your first third of your pregnancy. So that's a long time, right? Um, so I, I ended up telling half of the UK and Ireland that I was <laughs> pregnant before I got home and told my friends I was pregnant. <laughs> It was but, a good but time. Also, like you know, that's that thing when you're like traveling and talking to strangers who you know you'll never see again. You're like, oh, I can just like tell them stuff. Exactly. <laughs> well, it, it actually it is easier because I had about a week and a half after our road trip where I found out I was pregnant. We had already booked a biking trip through Italy, uh, my husband and I, and everyone on the trip knew I was pregnant because I, who are they going to tell, you know? <laughs> and I had to tell them, you know, if I wasn't feeling well enough to keep biking, why I wasn't having all of the delicious wine and cheese, you know, on this bike trip through, you know, Tuscany. And um, yeah, but so everyone, by the end, I was like celebrating that I was pregnant and my most of my friends hadn't known yet. Well, it's kind of fun too, because it is a celebratory atmosphere yeah. at that point. And it, it's good news. Everyone's pumped, you know, so. And we were the youngest people on the trip, too. Right. So it was like us and a bunch of retired people biking through Italy. And Who are so they, thrilled, I'm sure. They were, they were ecstatic that I was pregnant and, like, so impressed that I was Surrogate also cycling. grandparents <laughs> were ready Wait, how, to go. Okay, let's talk about that. How did you cycle while pregnant? Because I found my energy level so low, especially in the first trimester. Yes. That plus jet lag, I was toast. It was really tough, and I have never been on a road bike before. So it was my first time being on a road bike and I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it. I basically had to take naps every single day to make it through the day. I would come home and come home, come back to the hotel and take like a two hour nap before I could even go out. I was exhausted, but I was really proud of myself by the end of it because not only did I ride a bike, you know, a road bike for the first time through Italy and doing like 
40 kilometers a day. I mean, it wow. was no, it was no oh joke. God. It was a lot of biking. Wow. Even I think my husband at the end of it was like, hell yeah, that's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to speak for Lala and I in this moment to say that likely very unpregnant right now we could not accomplish that <laughs> but the tour guides were very like okay if you need a break like we're here and they would have like snacks ready for me at like a different rest stop so I was very pampered as a pregnant lady which was great but yeah none of my most of my friends hadn't known at that point but everyone on that trip knew after that trip were you encouraged or discouraged by how tired you were doing something that active were you like, I can overcome this and keep traveling? I um, thought I could overcome yeah. it. Yeah, I was very impressed with myself that I kept going. What, again, one, that was my first time ever on a road bike. So I didn't know that if I was going to be able to do it, period. All, yeah. And then to be able to do it pregnant. Luckily for me, my pregnancy got a bit easier. My energy levels got went back up. So that was kind of like the low point of, of my energy until the very end. So it did. It encouraged me to keep traveling through the rest of my pregnancy. Well, your best time to travel is probably your second trimester. Mm -hmm. It's this the like the high point of the whole thing, because the first trimester you are exhausted. You're creating all the basic parts of your baby in those first 12 weeks. So all the organs are being formed then. Right. So most of the work is being done in the first and the third trimester. So the second you feel like a superhuman. Yeah. All <laughs> of a sudden, like you don't feel queasy anymore. You're not tired anymore. You're ap you're voraciously hungry mm -hmm. and you're just like, bring it on. And you're not too, you're not too big to like do exactly to like by the end. Sleep. You're just like, I can't move. <laughs> <laughs> So I feel like food, even though we said we were going to circle back, has come up in every single comment mm -hmm. so far, um, mostly cheese and wine. But do you feel like where you traveled, even if it wasn't like to some faraway place, changed or where you decided to go to eat changed because of the restrictions you were thinking about when yeah. you were planning those meals or that trip? I mean, a thousand percent for me. We actually did cancel trips when we found out I was pregnant. Every year we do, or every other year, we try to do a big trip over the holidays. So after Christmas, we'll go away through the new year. And we had booked flights to go to Japan and Singapore. And Singapore at the time was listed as a Zika country. So we had to scratch that from the list. Japan is known for its seafood. Everything seems it's raw. raw. <laughs> Everything you can't eat. To be honest, like I wasn't so worried about the distance. I was more worried about being able to enjoy a place to the mm -hmm. extent that I could, and I kind. we kind of figured we'll wait for Japan for a time when I can really take advantage of everything it has to offer. And instead, we went to Vienna and Prague, where everything was meat and bread and fried and soup, and I, I knew I could do it. And it was also a little closer to home, so in case something went down, I was in, like, towards the end of my second trimester, um, we could get home quicker. Anna, what about you? For me, honestly, because the pregnancy was somewhat of a surprise, most of our travels were booked and we kind of, I just basically we kept agreeing that if I felt okay and my doctor said that I was healthy enough to travel, that we would just continue on with our travel plans because we had plans booked through the end of January. So. And I think the key here is to say is we have a previous episode that Jordi was on where she talked about going to Antarctica because one of the packs you made with your husband was to visit all seven continents. And in the process of that, like you got pregnant and then yes. took a trip to Antarctica. <laughs> yes, that did happen. I really like I, the thought, though, that like Wilder has already been to I was Antarctica. just thinking about that. I think that he's been to mush. 10 countries on four continents while he was in my stomach. Yes. Wow. <laughs> well, and also when you went to Antarctica, you sailed along one of the roughest yeah. seas in the world. Yeah, Drake's Passage. Yes. How'd you do? I was not good. <laughs> I was in a bad, bad way. Um, I already get a little seasick to begin with. And then 
just around, I was I think I was around 21 weeks when that happened, and I could just start to feel him move. Mm. And that was really the first time I felt him move. I was sitting, uh, listening to some whatever we were going to do for the next day, and I felt him move, and the ship moved, and I was like, Uh-oh, "This is too much movement. <laughs> this is this is bad. I'm feeling movement like everywhere, everywhere." <laughs> and I barely made it back to our cabin before I was sick, and then I was in bed for two days. But once once the seasickness passed, and we actually got to the continent, I was fine and had a great time. And you know, I was, I was in the second trimester, so I felt I still felt really good. It was just the Drake's passage was. I have this picture of myself that I took where I'm just like laying there, and I have like a wet compress on my head, <laughs> and, and I'm just like okay, this is it for two days. I just got to wait it out. And then I, I was fine. <laughs> and you spent a night in a tent, right? Off, yes, yeah. on the continent. Yeah, that was intense How too. I forgot about that. Because I remember, I remember <laughs> you, you, told that me this, out. <laughs> you told me this very key thing, which is that when you're on the continent, you can't leave anything behind, not That's a right. trace, mm-hmm. including... Going to the bathroom. Going to the bathroom. Yeah, tell a pregnant lady not to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> for how long? Uh, overnight. I mean, so that was easily... Eight, eight hours or nine hours or so, yeah. Sorry, not to get graphic. You couldn't like pee into a cup and bring there it back? There was an emergency or? toilet that was like heavily, like don't use the emergency toilet unless <laughs> right. you like really have to use the emergency toilet. So they had a little bucket if you really needed it. Okay. Um, to be completely honest, we packed some bags in case I really <laughs> needed to go. Uh, luckily, I didn't have to. I just cleared my bladder before uh, we got off the ship and you're not allowed to eat there either. So I didn't eat anything throughout the night. And, uh, but yeah, the, luckily I didn't have to use that emergency toilet or the emergency <laughs> bags that we brought. <laughs> I'm curious how the conversations with your doctors went as far as like, I, I travel all the time, period. Like what adjustments do I need to make? Because like, I'm going to, I would like to keep doing this. Like, how did that work out for both of you? Well, the day that I got my first sonogram to be like, okay, I actually, am pregnant because I yes I I had only taken a pregnancy test and I got back that night I left for Italy so (laughs) I had to tell my doctor um yeah so I'm pregnant I'm leaving for Italy tonight um I'm a travel writer uh is there anything wrong with this and he basically said you know well you know no unpasteurized cheese no alcohol and you know just watch your activity level, make sure you feel okay, don't push yourself too hard. And when I got back and I told him, well, I also have a trip to Antarctica <laughs> planned and a trip to Peru planned. Um, oh, was the and Peru he was on board. One? Was he into the Peru? Because that's elevation too, right? Or were you? Yeah, they they were more concerned. Um, they, maybe they should have been more concerned, but I think I was, I was, having, a, I was, I was having a good pregnancy mm-hmm. and I was healthy and... Um, and you weren't doing Machu Picchu, you were going on a... I was on, yeah, I was on, on a, a cruise. cruise. Yeah, through the Amazon. They were worried about uh, Zika and I was too. And I was told originally that there was no Zika in that area. I later found out that there, there were some cases, which I was upset to find out. Luckily, nothing happened. I was okay. But um, that was really their only concern. I actually got the flu on that trip and <laughs> had nothing to do with Zika. So I actually did get sick, but not, not from anything related uh. to that but like was your mind spinning were you oh a hundred percent yeah I, oh i took two zika tests when i got home you did yes <laughs> and um and a flu and I, had, and I had the flu shot and everything but um yeah my doctor was kind of on on board with it as long as i was being safe which i was and that was what i just kept doing i would have canceled a trip if i didn't feel okay and i you just felt kept okay fe- i just kept feeling okay yeah. so i kept kept doing it i'm a hypochondriac at the best of times do you find yourself just like web MDing things in the middle of the night when you're 
abroad. Oh, it, yeah. you go down the <laughs> deepest, darkest rabbit holes when you're pregnant in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. Because you wake up. I don't know. I woke up at 3 a.m. Like, like clockwork every it's night. It's just your body preparing you. It is. For it really is. To wake up <laughs> it's like a night dirty night trick. For the next couple of years. Um, yes, and I mean, I was what the medical profession calls a geriatric patient. Which I like, just want to say, on. only a male doctor would have come up with that term in the first place. Like, like, I'm sorry, no woman would have come up with that term. Of course not. And like, it's it's obscene. It's not like I was like 55 having a kid. I, but it's anything after 35, they call geriatric. So they start to get more, slightly more conservative in their recommendations for you as after you pass that time. So I think my doctor, who's awesome um a baller she's also from brazil and travels the world so she was like you can fly up to 28 weeks mm -hmm. i hope i got that right but i think it was 28 when i stopped and i think some people can go a little longer if they're business travelers and it's all up to your doctor right you negotiate with your doctor that's when i'm going that's just cut off time in my book but in terms of like the what's wrong like i think i, I told you guys this in advance I Googled so much when I was in Ireland and Scotland that I actually kept the list because I was like, this is neurotic as hell. Do you want to hear it? Oh my yeah. God, I want to hear what's on that list. Like, I don't know how much of it I Googled as well. <laughs> okay. You should just ding every yeah. time. If I ever get pregnant, I'm going to think back to this list. <laughs> Feel free to buzz. All right. Can I eat cod while pregnant? Which is funny because I, like, I don't even like cod. <laughs> but it must have been served and I was like, can I eat it? Can I eat sausage while pregnant? Can I eat boiled sausage? Can I eat blue cheese from Ireland while pregnant? Short answer, no. So specific. <laughs> I tried it, it was, did not go over well. Boil, uh, blue cheese is, skip it if you're pregnant. Um, is cheese pasteurized in Ireland? Can I be in a distillery while pregnant? Uh, Just answer. physically in <laughs> the <Yes>. building? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Breathing the alcoholic yep. air? Fumes. <laughs> yeah. um, yes, you can. Can I eat homemade gelato while pregnant? My answer is, fuck it. Yes, I can. <laughs> but I'll skip the coffee whiskey flavor and stick with raspberry. <laughs> I actually wrote that down. <laughs> oh, this just makes me like you so much. <laughs> can I drink chamomile tea while pregnant? Teas are weird. Herby things are weird. They encourage you not to have mm -hmm. a lot of herb-based things. Oh, that's things. so weird. You think of them as just, I mean, I guess like so is cheese but it's just so like natural it seems so healthy so i think i had a lot of peppermint tea and maybe some raspberry tea i don't know if you had it's not a big tea drinker no i mean in general so <laughs> it wasn't a concern of mine mine was like when can i eat prosciutto right <laughs> the day you have the baby yeah. i had you a mean prosciutto sandwich Google? in the fridge at the hospital can i eat cod <laughs> <laughs> not cod other things but not cod no my last one very specific can i eat haggis while pregnant Ooh. No, no, I skipped it. I it just like made me queasy to look at yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I don't think you. I mean, who really wants to eat at the best of times? But right. like, <laughs> would it be bad for you if you ate it? I don't think so because I think it's all cooked. But please, someone from Scotland, tweet at me and tell me what. <laughs> if you can tell me if you can, <laughs> because each culture has its own, you know, standards and rules. And so this was actually something I was I really wanted to ask, which is, you know, you're saying each culture has its different standards and rules and you know some places uh some cultures are like fine with you having a glass of wine and you know once a day or, and others are not and again that goes the same for attitudes towards motherhood and towards being pregnant how did it vary from country to country for you both a lot um I actually, I ended up speaking with one of our contributors, Sterling Kelso Niff about it because I was working on a story a while back and um specifically we talked about their attitudes towards pregnant women and children when you're on public transit. 
right? So in the UK, and Lale, fact check me on this, mm -hmm. but in the UK, they, there's a button oh, that you can a, wear. Yeah, you wear a button and called Baby on board. Mm -hmm. and, like, and you see it, and like you get up. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. It just erases that sort of hesitation, especially when you're sort of in an early pregnancy, mm -hmm. where I think people, you know, I've definitely done this on the subway, where I'm like, I'm always going to give my seat to a pregnant person. But there's that early stage where I'm like, are they pregnant or am I going to offend them? Offend them. them. And you I never get... want to like be that person. Like, would you like your oh, that's happened seat? To me before. And they're like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened to me as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's also a very American thing too. People will lean away. Well, America, New York. Travelers will lean away from offering a seat because they fear offending the person they are offering it to. So it's almost like we go the far extreme the I, other yeah, way. I think it's great. I also saw uh, once a man not get up for a woman that was wearing a baby on board pin. Mm -hmm. And there was almost a revolt on the train. Like everyone <laughs> was just yelling at him. And like, and he was just sort of shrugging. Like he just didn't care. Oh my God. It was How do you get a no. Oh, and I also saw, all right, this is just a real tangent, but I also was on the subway once. Um, in, bef in the US? Or? In, in, in New York, before Traveller, so I'm not going to, this isn't calling out any men that I work with at Traveller. <laughs> um, but it was a very, very packed train. I was standing and I saw this pregnant woman down the other end of the carriage. And um, I was just like, she was standing right in front of this man who was sitting down. And I was just like, who is that asshole that's like not giving her his seat? And then I looked again and I was like, oh my God, I work with him. <laughs> no. And I was like, I was like, he, and he just didn't, he, and I was quite far away, so I couldn't like yell at him and he just didn't give up his seat. I told every woman in the office. <laughs> I feel like pregnant women should also have a button they can hand out that says, I'm an asshole. <laughs> so like they, if yes. someone doesn't give them the seat, just like take this <laughs> and I, walk away. <laughs> there's a really awesomely terrible story of a woman who, went through her entire first pregnancy in New York City without anyone ever getting up for her. So what she did when she got pregnant the second time was carry around a trophy so that she could give it to the first person, the first man, because she said women more often than not oh, would give up their more, seats. Yeah. But the, for the first man that stood up for her, and she was eight months pregnant mm. wow and had a guy stand up and she was like oh my god like, here's, here's the trophy <laughs> that's a great idea it's a beautiful, you guys should definitely google this it'll be in the show notes but it is like one of my favorite stories because i think that it just like so showcases and for the most part what she was saying was that people just it wasn't even that they were like looking at her and being like no i'm not going to get up it was that they were on their phones or listening to music or didn't look up enough mm -hmm. to be able to notice um but it's true i mean in different when we travel we had to travel through argentina to get to antarctica and they had a special line just for pregnant women at the airport. And I was like, what? I like unzipped my coat, had my belly out. <laughs> I was lean like, into yeah, it my, mom came, my mom was with us on the trip as well. And I was like, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I just like strolled right past that long security line and was like, yes, I am pregnant. <laughs> and they were they, it was like so accommodating there because they just, it was a different mentality. And even now in certain countries, I feel like having a baby, you know, when we were in Portugal, we just brought up, we brought our 10, Wilder was 10 weeks old at the time. And it was just a different attitude. So I, I I feel like there is a, you know, they were so welcoming of having a baby there. And they have these beautiful cribs for him everywhere we went. And here it's like, ah, here's a pack and play, no mattress. He'll sleep on the cardboard. It's fine. Right. They're like, you have a kid? Yeah. <laughs> With a yeah. capital K? <laughs> fine. Um, I actually noticed in 
Latin American countries, South mm-hmm. America, very, very accommodating very. of pregnant women and children. Yes. They love them. Like, um, from the reporting I did, uh, men and women in Mexico would offer up their seats on subways readily. Um, Spain, Portugal, Italy, I yeah. know isn't a Latin American, but Italy's also like this, where they're just so family-oriented yes. in the first place that I've heard anecdotes of, like, grandmas in the kitchen coming out and, like, watching your kid for a little bit while you eat dinner in Italy. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's... It's ingrained. You treat family well. Yeah. And that, when we were on our bike trip through Italy and I was pregnant, like I said, they had like snacks ready for me. They would accommodate any sort of different meal that I wanted or kept checking on me. And it was it was nice because you don't always get that, especially living in New York City. Well, I think on the flip side, I'm just curious to know, I think that from my friends and both of you who have gone through pregnancy, like so many people just like generally tell them like, oh, you're pregnant, so here's this piece of advice, or like, you're doing this thing wrong, or whatever. Like, when you were traveling, both with your friends at home, because you you both traveled quite often while you were pregnant, and like with strangers that you met on the road, like, were there interactions where you were like, hold up, guys, like, I'm the one who's pregnant here? Yeah, when when we were on that road trip and I found out I was pregnant, we were going, we were in um, the Black Forest in Germany, and there was this sort of like roller coaster thing that my little niece wanted to go on with my sister. And I was like, yeah, I'll go on it. Why not? And I, we must have been talking about it loudly enough that people there could could hear me. And a woman turned to me and said, you know, you could shake the baby loose and have a miscarriage if you go on the roller coaster. And I was like, OK. Did she like wag a finger at you and burn incense at the same time? <laughs> like, like, that's such like, like, what sort of medical analysis is that? <laughs> Shake the baby loose. <laughs> I was just, but, you know, it ter- drops I mean, from your undercarriage. Again, like, you're what, a couple days in at this point? I mean, yeah. like, that's, you haven't I, seen a doctor. I haven't right. seen a doctor yet. And I, it was terrifying. And, I, you know, I'm a newly pregnant woman. And I'd never gone through this experience before. And I was like, Hey, well, yeah, I guess I'm like, not going on that. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's whenever you're having some sort of big life moment, people love to have opinions. They love to be judgmental and they love to tell you how to do things right and what you're doing wrong. And I think there's a little part of some people that really revel in making you feel afraid. Yeah. Um, and that, I just, that woman, not that I've been pregnant, but this, this is, I'm talking about getting married in my personal <laughs> experience. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like people just shove their opinions down your throat. Well, and I didn't really like, our families knew and my close friends knew, but I didn't announce the pregnancy Mm -hmm. until we were in Antarctica. And I was five months pregnant at that point. So I had been traveling and traveling and traveling, knowing knowing I was pregnant. Because as soon as that happened, people were like, oh, you can't travel anymore. It's like, I just literally came back from Antarctica. So I'm good, (laughs) you guys. I've been doing this. I got it down. Don't worry about it. Well, the, the fear thing's interesting. I think birth, marriage moves, those are all kind of human conditions, right? And everyone feels like they have an opinion to share because they've been through it, know someone who's been through it. Like, it's the thing we've all touched. Have been adjacent to somebody who's been through it. Right. So that makes us all experts. And it's something that I try to avoid, but it's still really hard. Even now, if I have friends who are newly pregnant, be like, oh, man, let me tell you about this time in Ireland, like I just did on this podcast for 20 minutes. (laughs) Right? And like lessons learned. I think in a way people want to share in what you are mm-hmm. experiencing and this is the way they do it in the same way that they are like reaching out and grabbing your belly. Fun fact, don't do it. Don't mm. ever do it. No matter how close you are to someone, like my family won't even do it. I'm just saying generally there is no reason to just reach out and touch any part of anyone 
just as a stranger. Like, right. don't or touch my someone's baby. hair. Don't touch my baby don't on touch the street. Child. Yeah. Don't, don't touch anyone's <laughs> stomach. It's weird. It's inappropriate. I've like never been like talking to a pregnant woman and I mean, felt like, this oh. uncontrollable urge to touch her stomach. Well, like, imagine if it was something different, like their breasts. You know, like it's like yes, just so because personal. so personal. And I feel like people, maybe it's just in New York, but men in particular be like, whoa, you're due any day now. It's like, oh, okay, that's a weird, like, you call I don't know. Like, oh, you're about to ready to pop. Like, don't, like, get, get away from me. I don't yeah. want to be here if it happens sort of thing. What am I, like, it's catching. Yeah, yeah, like, it's just, yeah. Like, they terrified might, of They me. might be enlisted to help deliver. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, I'm okay, guys. My favorite tip that I got that I didn't take advantage of, though I really, really wanted to in Dublin, was that I should have a little bit of Guinness in my pregnancy because Guinness is rich with iron. It is also booze. I was anemic at the time, so I was already like iron deficient and kind of looking for any way to fix that. Um, and someone allegedly said that like their doctor had told them to have a Guinness <laughs> later in the pregnancy, never earlier. And I was just like, okay, that sounds fun. <laughs> I wish I could. I just don't know that I can. But that's the other thing. If your doctor in one country says one thing and what are the doctors in other countries saying? I, I, I wonder, and I haven't gotten there yet in the reporting, but like in Japan, do people stop eating sushi? In Sweden, do they stop eating herring? You know, like what fundamental parts of the culture stay in when you're pregnant or get weeded out? If you know any of these things, you should definitely tweet at us. Please. Dear yeah. listener. I really want to know the sushi one. <laughs> yeah. Or like the wine in France or cigarettes in France. That sounds like a stereotype. But ev- all the cheese in France or a lot of the cheese is unpasteurized. And it is one of the best reasons to yes. go to Paris. So like, please tell me in France, do pregnant women eat the cheese? Great questions. I think it's interesting because I feel like that relationship with your doctor, you're going to like trust them to be able to make help you make decisions. And I think it's really interesting that you guys both told like your immediate family, a smattering of other people, and then like a bunch of strangers, but not the wide population of everyone that you knew. Because I went and saw Lindsay Adario, who's a, a New York Times uh, photographer, speak a couple weeks ago. And she is a war photographer who is in war zones you know all over the world was one of the first photographers in afghanistan before the war started like she is like so freaking hardcore like i love her so much but one of the stories she was telling was that she also has a young child and she and her husband and her doctor all agreed that it was okay for her to continue working as long as she wasn't in any like immediate danger. So she was taking assignments at the time, like to cover drought, to cover more like human interest stories rather than like direct war um, war zone stories. But they waited for six months to tell any of her editors because she felt like they would be making decisions for her based on what they thought was going to be best for mm-hmm. her safety. Mm-hmm. When after all, like in the whole thing, like the only people that really need to be able to make those decisions are like Lindsay, her husband and her doctor, um, who also have like the most information on what's going on. But she said like she wrote an op-ed in the New York Times and got so much pushback from people saying like, you never should have done that. Like, what were you thinking? She was like, at no point was I in any danger. I knew what I was doing. I was like fully prepared taking the risks that I was taking. And then when I couldn't fly anymore, I went home. Well, and that just goes to the sort of age-old thing of people not trusting women to make decisions about themselves and their own bodies. That's true. Retweet. I mean, how many... Yeah. <laughs> RT that. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just play that, like, occasionally throughout the podcast? <laughs> this just goes back to the Because <laughs> it's true. Like, it really is. I feel like that goes also into, like, that idea that, 
you know, strangers and like guys will say, oh, like, don't you look really big? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Did you just want to scream at them? Like, yeah, I'm in labor. Like, <laughs> run. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I should. Run. I love <laughs> Yeah, actually, can you help me out? <laughs> I'm on the way to the hospital, but I don't think I'm going to make it. It's crowning. <laughs> Before we started recording, you had actually asked a really interesting question, which was, do you feel like you got more random advice from women or from men or judgment or whatever it is that you kind of quantified while you were? I would say women. I think men are the same reason they won't get up for you on the subway if they're unsure. I, I don't think they feel like they have a place to say anything. I think most of the commentary came from women in my wow. experience. That's finally one thing that they've... Don't have to explain. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think we'd found that topic. Apparently, we have. To be honest, yes. I kind of welcomed the advice from women because there's a lot of stuff that your body's going through that you are googling mm -hmm. and talking. You'll kind of talk to anyone who's been through it and be like, "Is this normal?" You're looking for verification that what is happening to you is okay and your baby's going to be okay. But that's different. Asking for advice rather than getting well, unsolicited advice. No. Yeah, I, I didn't mind it from other moms as much. I don't know how you felt about it. But again, but like like women who are not, like have no children like myself or Lolly, like do have no place telling you like whether or and not I don't something's think okay. okay. Like, walk into the office and just start dishing out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I got any from non-moms, right? That's good. But I might have selective memory. I don't know. <laughs> all blur now. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you guys have any advice for pregnant women who are super into traveling? I would say I traveled until that 28th week and I went abroad something like half a dozen times during my pregnancy and the only thing that changed was the majorly beyond what I could eat was how much I could do each day and I feel like Jordy you were talking about yeah. the naps it kind of tees you up for having a kid um, because it changes the way you travel. It means if you used to be a four museum in a day art junkie, mm -hmm. you're going to one thing a day. Uh, you just have to slow down. And it's kind of like your body is getting you ready for this fundamental change. Um, it won't always be that way. Your kids will get older. They'll, you'll be able to run in a different rhythm. But in the beginning, you know, you have to scale back no matter what. It doesn't mean you stop. I definitely have not stopped. My daughter has gone to... She has six international flights down right now and a couple more to come. Um, and you can hear about some one, that very first flight on an earlier podcast episode where we talked about, uh, with Alex Postman and Laura talking about taking their kiddos on trips. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Haley's traveled a ton. She's traveled a ton. She's probably going to resent me when she's older and be like, why did you take me when I was one? Um, <laughs> I'll try to take her again when she's 15 and can appreciate it more. But we just kept moving. And that's what I would say. I was like, you don't have to fundamentally change who you are. Your mm -hmm. pace just changes a little. Yeah, I think that's important because I love traveling. I still love traveling. And I don't necessarily want to give that part of my life up. But you do need to figure out a way to make it work within your life. It's a new life, but it doesn't mean you have to give up parts of your old life. And I think especially now having done it and kept traveling through my pregnancy, if anyone is hesitant, as long as 
like I said, their doctors are okay with it and they, and, and you feel okay with it, do it. Like you don't, whatever it is that you want to do, whatever your passion is that you want to do, like you, you can travel while you're pregnant and I'm learning now. I mean, my son's going to be five months and you can travel with a baby too. Like that's my new experience that I'm, that I'm learning how to travel. Yes, it's different. I, we're not going out to dinners at 10 o'clock at night, but we're, you know, we're up super early and get to see things before the crowds come. So it's just a different way of life. But, um, if it's something that you love doing, as long as you're healthy, I think you should keep doing it. Um, I think that's a really great place to end. We do have one announcement today, which is that we are having another meetup. Um, we just had one a couple weeks ago in Denver, and we're having another Women Who Travel meetup in San Francisco on November 15th from 6 to 9. Megan Sparrell, who's been on this podcast a couple times, is going to be hosting along with our West Coast editor, Becca Meisner. If you want to go and meet up with Megan and other women who travel, you can join our Facebook group and all the information will be there. Laura, where can people look at adorable photos of Haley and follow you on the internet? There's a lot of them at Laura underscore Redman on Instagram. And Jordy? At Well Traveler. And Lale? And no children evident <laughs> on my Instagram account. And it's at Lale Hannah. You can see Wilder when he comes to the office on my Instagram. <laughs> uh, and Haley as well. But I'm at Oh Hey There Mare on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can follow all that Connie Nast Traveler does at cntraveler.com and on all the social media at cntraveler. You can read stories from Laura and Jordy about both traveling while pregnant and now traveling with kids on cntraveler.com. There's some great stories. Talk to you all next week. Hey, it's Chris Klemek here. If you like this show, you might enjoy There's More to That. It's a new podcast from Smithsonian Magazine and PRX where I'll be talking to journalists around the globe, taking inspiration from the Smithsonian Institution's museums and research centers and using insightful reporting to explore the mysteries of the wider world. Plus, every episode comes with at least one conveniently packaged fact for you to share at your next dinner party. So check us out. Subscribe to There's More to That from Smithsonian Magazine and PRX and find out how much more there is to almost everything. I'm Tanya Mosley. In 1987, my sister Anita vanished without a trace. Decades later, thanks to DNA, we found her. But that's only the beginning of the story. She Has a Name is a new audio documentary that explores the search for redemption, confronting trauma, and healing in the face of unimaginable loss. Subscribe now to Truth Be Told Presents She Has a Name, where every revelation brings us closer to the truth.